You're listening to In The Company, a podcast about humanizing work and designing better working lives. Each episode is curated to provoke you to think more deeply about things that matter in your career and life and how to build your toolkit for how to thrive as a human in business today. We explore how we work from the inside out. I'm Kylie Lewis, and it's great to be in your company. Welcome. Today, we're in the company of Nick Arvanitis, who is the Head of Workplace Research and Development at Australian mental health organisation Beyond Blue. Nick leads projects that support workforces to create and maintain mentally healthy workplaces, including headsup.org.au. One in five Australians will experience a mental health condition in their lifetime. Over one million Australians currently live with depression and over two million have anxiety. As one of the largest employment sectors in Australia, small to medium enterprises are highly likely to face a mental health-related issue in their workplace at some point. So I think it's a really important topic for us to cover. Welcome, Nick. Thank you. So, Nick, before we get into what your role is at Beyond the Blue today, what I'd like to find out is a little bit more about who you were as a child and how might have that impacted what you do today at Beyond Blue? Well, as a child, I was very physically active. I really enjoyed playing sports and I remember playing in sort of the school quadrangle, playing things like basketball and, and downball. And what I found was that in an early part of my life, I really had a strong focus on my physical health, but probably neglected my mental health. And as I became, became older, I started to appreciate the value of looking after both physical and mental health. Mm, they go hand in hand, right? Oh, they are very, very related and, and people with poor mental health often have poor physical health and, and vice versa. Yeah. I know from um, my experience that when I have physically taken care of myself, so if I've gone for a run or if I've taken an exercise class or just gone for a long walk, I, my overall sense of well-being is, is lifted. So that connection is so important. Um, and can you also tell me about three things that you believe as the, as the person that we are today? Three things. Well, the first thing would be that, generally speaking, I think people try to do their best with the, the knowledge and resources they have. Everyone out there is, is trying to do a good job. The second thing is that I believe that probably the most challenging experiences probably provide the greatest opportunities for, for learning and development. And the third thing probably is that as as one person, one person can still make a significant difference, whether it's a difference in the workplace or with their family or in the broader community. So not to underestimate the power of, of, of one. Absolutely. Um, and so one podcast at a time, we are chipping <laughs> away at that idea with you, with you as well. So let, let's dive into um, Beyond Blue and talking uh, just briefly about what Beyond Blue does. Well, Beyond Blue aims to raise awareness around mental health conditions and to reduce the associated stigma. But ultimately what we aim to do is for everyone to achieve their best possible mental health. So we have a number of programs, resources that we develop that enable people to achieve their best mental health. And part of that might be enabling people to seek treatment and support when they are struggling with a mental health condition. Um, and we have a number of programs that focus on particular settings such as workplaces or schools 
that try and communicate our broader messages to those settings. So you look after those programs. So Heads Up is one of those programs. Heads Up is our main workplace mental health initiative and it's all about highlighting the benefits of mentally healthy workplaces and providing organisations of all sizes, including small businesses, with practical tools to take action. Fantastic. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Can you give us a, um, a, a definition of what is mental health? Well, it's interesting because when we talk about mental health, we traditionally categorise people as having a, a mental health condition or not having a mental health condition. Probably a better way to think about mental health is as a continuum or occurring across a range where people range from positive, healthy functioning to experiencing you know, those severe symptoms of having a mental health condition. So you know, the, the general definition about mental health is where people can cope with the normal stresses of life, they're able to, to work productively, they have a sense of purpose, and they're actually able to provide a meaningful contribution to the community. So it's all about people achieving their potential. And you mentioned in the opening that you, as a child, focused on good men, on good physical health, which is something you know that we can see from the outside what the you know potential good biomarkers are of good physical health. What would be some indicators of good mental health? Well, I think people who are um, generally feel happy and, and well during the day, people that are, that are socially active people that enjoy life on a day-to-day -day basis um, are able to keep things in, in perspective, are able to sort of um, perform at work and be, and be quite productive um, and just having good energy levels and being able to, um, you know, go through uh, the daily activities of life um, and coping well with those daily challenges. Mm. And are there specific mental health issues for small businesses? Well, I think there are a number of aspects of being a small business owner that potentially place them at high risk of developing a mental health condition. There are significant dem demands on, on small business owners. They generally work very long hours. They don't often have time during the day to take breaks. Um, there's often the issue of uh, the work day encroaching on their sort of um, relaxation or private time at the end of the day. So that there are these huge demands that also include being responsible for all aspects of, of a business. There's no HR support. There's no employee assistance program that they can turn to. They basically need to manage people issues. They need to manage financial issues. And there's also um, the risk associated with being sort of isolated socially as a small business owner, um, particularly if you're a sole trader. You don't necessarily have access to the supports that someone working in a large organisation would have you know it's very easy in a large organization just to turn around to a work colleague and and debrief or download but often as a small business owner you don't have that luxury mm. so the isolation factor that you just mentioned is big the 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 fact that they're juggling so many things um often on their own by themselves um and you know, and the lack of being able to kind of switch off at the end of the day and, and have and longer work days, all of those things contribute to the specific setting of a small business. Oh, definitely. And the, I mean, the basic definition of, of job stress is where the demands of your work are not matched by your sort of resources available to you. So there are lots of examples of um, very stressful aspects of work that place high demands on small business owners that you know, most reasonable people can't cope with without it leading to some kind of negative impact like job stress or potentially developing a mental health condition. 
And yet so many people are self-employed um, or seek to even be self-employed because perhaps they, they feel like they want to have more control over their lives and their time and, and their energy and how they spend that. Um, so do you, how, how, do you, how does a small business owner kind of straddle that paradox? Well, you hit the nail on the head in terms of some of the, the benefits of, of being a small business owner. We know that you know, there are roughly 1.2 million small business owners or sole traders within the country. So there's lots of people out there that are working as sole traders. But we know that some of the things that actually can protect against mental health conditions are the things you, you're speaking about in terms of that flexibility and the control that you have over your working day, being able to organise your time and to take breaks, hopefully, you know, when, you, when you can organise them yourself you don't actually need to speak to your manager and say oh can I take a break at, at this time so there's aspects of that control and flexibility that are actually good for, for people's mental health and probably the the other thing to keep in mind is that generally speaking we know that work is good for a person's mental health because it provides a sense of identity it provides a, a routine and structure for the day it contributes to a person's sense of purpose so uh, generally speaking, we know that, that work is good for you. And as a small business owner, uh, that can be a really rewarding um, employment model for, for people that um, prefer to work in that, in that style of way, in that way. Mm. So for, for someone who is self-employed, how do, they keep them, how do they keep their own mental health in check? Look, there's a lot of, sort of simple practical strategies that small business owners can, can adopt. And I think the first thing to note is that, you know, being a small business owner, there are going to be some inherent stresses that, that no one can change. There's always going to be sort of fairly significant work demands. What we do know is that sort of mental health is quite closely related to physical health. So strategies that aim to improve physical health, like regular exercise, eating a balanced diet, limiting alcohol intake, are good for physical health and mental health. We also need to be thinking about um, how business owners can, can manage stress levels and how can they sort of unwind at the end of the day. Now, there are lots of good sort of evidence-based strategies like mindfulness and stress reduction techniques that small business owners can, can apply. And it's also about thinking how, as a small business owner, you can disconnect from your, your work and so that you have hobbies or, or social networks that enable you to relax and unwind at the end of the day. Um, but it's also keeping in mind that if you find that you are struggling with, with stress or feeling like you are developing a mental health condition, it's really important to, to seek treatment and support early on so that you can get the, the help you need and, and hopefully recover as quickly as possible. I always find it quite an interesting scenario that often when you are in most need of that kind of care can be the hardest time to recognise or reach out for that kind of support. Um, I think in my personal experience, sometimes I've felt so overwhelmed that it's hard to actually get your head above water in a way to even recognise that you need help. Do you have any strategies or insights around how do we, you know, if that happens, how do we take care of it or how, how do we, you know, look out for ourselves? Oh, look, it's a really good point. And, and the starting point is to have a basic understanding of what the, the signs and symptoms are of a mental health condition. So hopefully you can recognise that within yourself as a small business owner or potentially within your staff if you're an employing small business owner. But as you point out, often when, you, when you're in the midst of, of a, a mental health condition, it can be often difficult to recognise those signs and symptoms. So that's where 
having um, a social network, having family members who can actually point out to you that, you know, you don't actually see yourself today, so I'm a bit concerned about you. Um, have you thought about seeing your GP or have you thought about um, accessing some information or resources around mental health to help you get the support that you need or to better look after your mental health? So one of the things that I've noticed um, when I was researching for this um, interview was that Beyond Blue um, talks specifically to anxiety and depression as the sort of the two leading mental health issues for Australia. Could you give us a little bit of an indication of what both of those mental health conditions look like? Certainly, and, and they are very prevalent when we know that at any one time, 2 million individuals will be experiencing an anxiety condition and 1 million experiencing um, depression. So the symptoms are, are similar, but, but also different in, in, in other ways. So with um, depression, there's generally a, a lowness in mood, there's a um, lacking energy, there's a tendency to withdraw socially, um, to be feeling overwhelmed. So there's a combination of, of feelings and behaviours there that when they persist for um, a prolonged period, so over sort of two weeks or so, that's when someone can be really concerned that they might be experiencing a, a diagnosable, um, or diagnosable depression. Uh, mental health conditions is actually a bundle of um, anxiety conditions that um, sit under a broader sort of um, description of anxiety. You know, there's, there's social anxiety, um, there's also generalised anxiety, but generally speaking, there's, they're characterised by sort of excessive worry, um, lots of anxiety, and not just the stress or anxiety that results from having to deliver a presentation, but this is ongoing stress and worry, which really can be disabling and disrupt a person's life. So you mentioned that having sort of a good baseline of understanding who you are when you're well, when you're, when you're functioning well, is really important because understanding yourself and saying, I know that I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm functioning well when I'm getting enough sleep, when I'm eating well, when I'm socialising with my friends, when I'm having, having some boundaries around work time and personal time. So that sounds like that, that reflective piece, encouraging people to really pay attention of what's going on in their life when things are going well. Um, is super important to then being able to kind of keep an eye on themselves perhaps when things aren't going so well. And definitely, and also thinking about what might be um, potential triggers for, for stress or sources of stress because um, often it's, it's, it's easy to, to get a little bit complacent when things are going well and um, so it's, it's helpful for, for people to be proactive and, and to be thinking about, well, if I've got a really busy period coming up my work that is a potential source of stress for me so what am I going to have in place that's going to uh, hopefully offset that or or prevent the stress so now it could be things like making sure that you are regardless of how busy you're going to be to take your lunch break or a small break that might only be a 10-minute walk around the building or, or, or some other strategy or it might be um, related to um, making sure that you sort of um, find time to um, socialise with family or, or friends at the end of the day so that even if you've had a very long, stressful day, you've still got that opportunity to um, engage with others, potentially debrief or um, have a conversation with them just to share um, how you're travelling um, and to, to take advantage of the support that, that friends and family provide. 
So that pre-planning is something that I talk a lot about with my coaching clients, Mm. with my individual coaching clients when we're talking about the things that they're looking to achieve in their life. And one of the questions I'll often ask is what might get in the way of of being able to achieve those things so that they've got some sense of having a look ahead um, to think, you know, well, maybe I might need some extra help or maybe I need to push something else um, down the pipeline or, um, you know, so you've got some indication of backing yourself the best possible way in order to get that done. So I find that, um, that having a conversation with somebody to actually help you bring that to light is also a really important factor um, in at least the people that I have worked with. And, you know, every small business owner would, would appreciate the value of having a business plan as well. So, you know, as part of that business plan, you're thinking about marketing and promotion and revenue. You should also be thinking about, um, within that plan, looking after your own mental health. What plans, actions do you have in place to look after your own mental health, recognising that, you know, potentially there's going to be a number of stressors, particularly during the early startup phases of, of running a business? And also within that plan, if you are an employing small business owner, what are the strategies that you're going to introduce to support the mental health of your staff? And the business plan doesn't have to be, you know, a 60-page document that's sort of of a particular format with all of these things. Some of the things I do with my clients is just sit down in front of a calendar and just plan out, well, what, what does the next four weeks to three months look like and how is that going to work out, making sure that there is space in there to get things done that's realistic um, so I, I, I totally um, appreciate that perspective. And so let's talk about then um, small businesses that do employ others and cultivating that sense of uh, a mentally health workplace. What are some of the things that employers or employees even within small businesses could be doing to foster a, a good mentally health workplace? Well, I think there are a couple of simple things that actually don't require a huge amount of resourcing or or time. It's things like normalising conversations about mental health and mental health conditions in the workplace so that you're creating an environment where if a staff member is struggling with a mental health issue, that they're more likely to to have a conversation with you and get the support um, and treatment that they need. So could you give me an example of how you would normalise that topic? Because there is a lot of... um there's a lot of emotion around talking about mental health and perhaps a lot of shame around talking about it. How can we normalise it? Could you give an example? Well, one of the most powerful ways that a business owner or anyone within the workplace can sort of normalise conversations is to actually talk about a personal experience that they've had of a mental health condition. That might be them themselves or a family member because you know that that is very powerful in opening up the discussion and encouraging others to, to do the same. And if you have an environment where people feel comfortable to to talk about mental health, then it's more likely that they're going to uh, initiate a conversation with you and let them know what's going on with their lives rather than sort of suffering in silence. Because although some people with mental health conditions manage their conditions well after they get treatment or with medication, uh, a number of people will actually suffer in silence and that will impact not only their social social life but also their 
productivity and performance within the workplace. So it's actually in the interests of, of business owners to be encouraging open conversations, particularly when we know, again, mental health conditions are very prevalent. So it's likely that most employing small business owners will have a staff member that's experiencing a mental health condition. Yes, so what you're touching on there is the vulnerability piece around um, staying open to being brave enough um, to be vulnerable, to have a conversation where you're sharing an insight um, and connecting with somebody on a personal matter or on a, or on a, or on a deeper personal level rather than just um, business matters. And uh, it's interesting because uh, even in, in relation to your last point, essentially what we're talking about is good business practice here. I think um, you know often the conversation is about you know mental health and a mentally healthy workplace, but in any workplace, if you're creating an environment where you know you're speaking openly with staff, um, you're encouraging them to talk about sort of mental health and mental health conditions. If you're um, being mindful of what might be some of the stressors that are impacting on them and checking in about you know. Their workloads, or whether they have clarity around what's expected of them, that's all contributing to sort of a positive, mentally healthy workplace. But it's also just good business practice. Yes, and I really despise that saying that says that um, you know it's just business; it's not personal. You know, business is personal. Without the personal relationships that exist within a business and between people, you don't actually have a business. So um, so you mentioned that normalising mm. conversations around mental health was one thing that could be done to foster a good mentally healthy workplace. Did you have other suggestions? Yeah, look, I think, um, you know, it's also not about being an, an expert in, in mental health, but it's being um, someone who's mindful of, of how other people are travelling in the workplace. So if you spot someone... Um, and their behaviour has changed over the past couple of weeks. It could be that they're withdrawing socially or it could be that they're not um, as productive as they normally are. That is actually really helpful for a business owner to approach that person in a sort of a private, constructive way, just to check in with them, not to sort of you know, suggest that they've got a mental health condition, but to say, well, is everything okay? I've noticed these changes changes in behaviour. I just wanted to, to check in with you. So being prepared to, to have that conversation and to assist someone to get the, the help and, and support that they need. And, I mean, ultimately what we want to be doing is, is preventing any sort of work-related sort of um, stress and mental health conditions as well. So there are actually you no know, legal obligations on, on small business owners to, to um, create a mentally healthy workplace in the sense that they actually need to be taking steps to, as much as possible, minimise risks to not only physical health but risks to the mental health of their staff. So that's where it comes back to, you know, am I checking in with my staff around their workloads? Am I providing them with the support that they need? Do they have you know, clarity around their their position description or their roles and responsibilities. Um, it's actually an obligation for um, business owners of all sizes to be taking steps to, to support their staff in that way. This episode of In The Company is brought to you by the 2017 Small Business Festival, which is run by the Victorian Government in Australia and is designed to help startups and small to medium businesses go from strength to strength. Check out the festival website to find free and affordable events all across Melbourne and regional Victoria throughout the months of August and early September. There's over 500 events, including workshops, webinars, mentoring and podcasts just like this one. Visit festival.business.vic.gov.au to learn, grow and connect. There was some research that came out from Google a couple of years ago about what 
creates a high-performing team and the number one contributing factor was the psychological safety of the team. Mm. Um, so, And I take psychological safety to also mean um, mentally healthy. Mm. Um, so, you know, it is good. It's, it's essential to um, a good business practice. What happens in a business where perhaps the some of the contributing factors to to mental health exist outside of the workplace but impact that person's behaviour within it? Oh, look, it's, it's, it's interesting because we know as individuals we can't just sort of check our problems at the door as we walk into the workplace. And, um, look, it's likely that the majority of, of mental health um, problems that people experience are unrelated to, to work. So um, that'll be a common scenario that business owners um, will experience when um, a person might be struggling with mental health issues that are related to um, uh, financial issues or um, family issues. Um, but the bottom line is that um, regardless of what the, the cause or contributing factor of that mental health condition is, it's in the interest of, of small business owners to, to create an environment where people are comfortable to, to speak openly and say, look, I, I am struggling at the moment um, and I realise that I'm not sort of performing or as productive as normal, um, but thank you for approaching me and checking with me to see how I'm going and, um, yes, I will take up your suggestion of visiting my, my GP I think the other thing to mention is we also need to, to realise that um, as a small business owner, ultimately you want your business to succeed. Um, and although there are sort of some obligations to support um, staff with mental health conditions, um, if it's not reasonable to provide the level of support that some people require, well, um, obviously it's a, it's a difficult decision to make, but there's, there's no general obligation on, on business owners to support staff that are experiencing you know, a mental health condition when that's you know, really impacting on the business. So what we encourage business owners to do is to create an environment where people feel comfortable to seek treatment and support um, and provide support that's, that's reasonable for that person. Um, and unfortunately, the sad case is that some people do experience severe mental health conditions. It does impact on their productivity and performance, and um, it's just not feasible for some business owners to continue to employ those individuals. Mm. So, yeah, so being able to recognise when it's you've displayed a reasonable duty of care, mm. I guess, um, but that, yeah, it is a, it is a spectrum. Oh, and particularly when um, you, know, you compare smaller businesses to larger organisations, if you have a large organisation of several thousand staff and you've got a number of people experiencing mental health conditions, often those larger organisations will have the resources and the infrastructure to, to support or provide greater support than a small business owner. If you're a small business owner and you're employing four staff and one of your staff members has a, a mental health condition that is impacting on their performance so much that they're unable to sort of fulfil the requirements of their role, um, it's clearly not feasible for that small business owner to sort of continue to employ um, that person. Um, so it is about creating a supportive environment, providing reasonable support to staff members and assisting them to get the support that they need, um, but also balancing that with the needs of, of businesses because um, if someone is experiencing a mental health condition that's preventing them from performing, that can impact on the small business owner. It can also impact on their fellow um, work colleagues as well. Um, but ultimately we want people to, to um, seek support as early as possible and hopefully um, recover. And that's why that sort of uh, early intervention, creating environments where people feel comfortable to put their hand up early is really important. Yeah. And the more that we're able to, as you say, normalise conversations around 
checking in with each other's mental health as we would if they had a broken leg and you know it was it was repairing and and you know being able to foster environments where that's actually done um so I was wanting to see if you had any um, good examples of where early intervention or where any intervention, I guess, at any stage um, has has shown, you know, what the outcomes could be. Because the other thing I think we need to remember is that mental health is doesn't necessarily mean it's a lifelong condition. As you said, we can experience periods in our life. Um, so where are some examples of where... It's where, that you've researched that has shown up as, as somebody having a, a bit of a hard time and has sought help and what the outcomes of that have been? Well, it's interesting because um, you know, there's a lot of sort of individual examples which really highlight the, the human aspect of, of where a small business owner or even a manager within a larger organisation has taken the time to um, approach someone that they're concerned about um, and help them get the support that they need. But more broadly, we know that research actually shows that um, creating a, a mentally healthy workplace um, benefits the bottom line for, for businesses. So we know that you know, staff that feel like they're supported and work within a mentally healthy workplace are more likely to go above and beyond, provide better customer service, are less likely to take time off work, um, are less likely to turn up to work and not be fully productive as well. So there's actually a number of um, benefits um, including financial benefits that flow onto business owners for creating a mentally healthy workplace. And we're just about to release some new videos on our Heads Up website, which feature small business owners talking about how they look after their own mental health and how they create a mentally healthy small business. And they talk about some of the really specific benefits that have followed on from them creating a mentally healthy workplace. Mm. There's a bit of a viral email going around at the moment about a, a female web developer in the US, I think it was, who sent her employer an email saying that she was taking two days for, for her mental health and his response was incredibly supportive and, and thanked her for being so honest and saying that he understood and, you know, that's a great example of where there's obviously upsides for the employee, upsides for the employer and upside for the broader community to see that this, you know, we can do this. And it's amazing that seeing that email trail, because I did see it, um, is a bit of a shock to a lot of people that, that uh, a CEO would actually respond in that way. But um, again, drawing some of those sort of principles of how you would approach the issue from a physical health perspective, you know, if someone had, you know, a sore leg or a sore arm that prevented them from you know, fulfilling the requirements of their role, you wouldn't have any hesitation in saying, well, take time off, rest, um, make sure you get your arm or your leg right. So the same principles apply, but it's still uh, novel to a lot of people that um, some workplaces would treat mental health and physical health in a similar way. So if we can normalise that, if we can bring parity to those two sides of what it is to be human, and there's many more sides, but just those two sides to be human, that's a really great starting point. Oh, look, I, and I think so because... Often uh, people are unsure what to do when it comes to, to mental health in the workplace. And, you know, for instance, if you know, someone's taken time off because they've injured their leg, you, know, you will see when that person returns to the workplace, people will be checking in with them. They'll be offering support and saying, is there anything I can help you? Um, is there any way I can help you in terms of your role? Um, but often if someone takes leave because of stress or because of a mental health condition, 
people don't approach that person in a similar way. So I think that having um, business owners and people think about, well, what would I do if someone was experiencing a physical health issue? What kind of support would I provide them? What would I say? What would I do? Is a really useful principle to apply when someone's struggling with a mental health condition. Do you think that we often don't ask because we don't have the language around how to tackle something that people feel is a bit tricky to talk about? Oh, definitely. I think people don't feel like um, they have the language. They're concerned about um, saying the wrong thing or making things worse. And that's where, you know, Beyond Blue tries to make available sort of information and resources about you know, how would you approach having the conversation with someone um, that you're concerned about or someone who's returning to work and what's appropriate and useful support to potentially provide. And ultimately, it comes down to actually asking the person and saying, well, I'm mindful that you've been away. Um, I really want to support you. Is there anything I can do to help you um, transition back into work or to make life easier for you as you're recovering from sort of a mental health condition? So ultimately it comes down to that genuine concern and consideration that we hope everyone in the workplace has for their um, fellow colleagues to enable those people to to feel uh, engaged and to enable them to, to stay at work return to work because again we know work generally speaking is good for a person's physical and mental health. That's right and that sense of purpose. Um, As you were talking I was thinking about Sheryl Sandberg's latest book Plan B which is all about grief and how hard it was for her to go back to work at Facebook Um, not only for her grief but it was hard for her colleagues because they didn't know what to say they didn't and like you said they didn't want to make it worse Um, and trying to have some kind of level of or, or some kind of framework for saying it's okay to actually talk about this and to recognise a person who is struggling. Um, but as you said, ask the person, you know, how they would like it to be handled because um, there's privacy and, mm. and, and just pers- personal preference, I guess. And we have a, a case study on our um, Heads Up website which um, of um, a woman called Emma and Emma tragically lost her son to, to suicide and she talks about the, the kind of support that she received when she uh, returned to the workplace and one of the things that she mentions is that one of the most helpful things for her was actually being treated like everyone else and not being singled out in a way that um, made her feel different or unusual. She just wanted to feel like she was part of the team and having her colleagues treat her like everyone else was, was something that provided a huge amount of comfort for her. Mm. And so do you have more examples like that on the website? Oh, there's there's lots of um, specific uh, case studies of, of people talking about their personal experience of, of having a mental health condition. It, it also have, We also have a number of videos of business owners, large and small, talking about how they created a mentally healthy workplace and a, a workplace that supports their work colleagues. So the aim of our Heads Up website, which is uh, at headsup.org.au, is to provide business owners and managers and senior leaders with simple, practical tools and resources to help them manage those issues. So for people who are listening today, they could go to the Heads Up website and um, and, and they short videos that they could watch? Are they bite-sized? You know, small business people have got a lot on their plate. They're doing a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, look, we're, the, um, the new small business owner videos that we're about to launch in early August uh, will definitely have a, a a longer three-minute video as well as a 30-second video. So we've got that sort of bite-sized 
bite-sized grab of, of practical information. Um, but the aim is particularly to keep in mind the fact that small business owners are going to be time poor. Um, they need to be able to find the, find the information they need as quickly as possible to help them manage the specific issue that's front of mind for them. Um, so that's the aim of the Heads Up website, is to make it as easy as possible for business owners and other people in the workplace to access the information that's going to be helpful for them. Great. So the, the website is headsup.org.au. What other ways can people get involved in accessing resources or education or events around mentally health workplaces? Well, in Victoria, we actually have the Small Business Festival coming up in August and Beyond Blue is going to be working quite closely with the Victorian Small Business Commissioner and we're sort of grateful for the Commissioner's support um, with this podcast, but also we'll be working with the Commissioner in terms of uh, workshops, webinars and a presentation at the festival. So we'd encourage everyone to, to come along and to learn more about mental health in the workplace. Um, all these events are, are free to attend and you can also sign up on the Small Business Festival website. I have one more question for you, actually. Um, how do you take care of your own mental health? Well, that's a good question because I should be practising what I preach. Look, I, I definitely... Um, make sure I find time at the end of the, the day to, to unwind. I have a couple of uh, mindfulness and relaxation apps that I use generally on a, on a daily basis. Um, I try and look for other ways to disconnect and unwind at the end of the day. So my physical health, as I mentioned before, is, has always been very important to me. So I, I do exercise uh, daily and um, try and spend uh, lots of time with um, friends and family. So to wrap up our conversation, what are three things that you would like people to walk away with after listening to this? Well, I think we want workplaces to, to normalise conversations about mental health and to be thinking about mental health in the workplace just as they do physical health in the workplace. I also would want workplaces, particularly small business owners, to, to have the conversation, um, to not sort of put off... Um, approaching someone that you're concerned about or even if it's a, a performance-related issue, um, to have the conversation and, and not to have any assumptions about what's going on in that person's life but to, to let them know that you're concerned about them and you want to support them. And uh, the other thing I'd say is that you know, I'd encourage people to visit the Heads Up website um, because the aim is, is to develop resources and information that's going to be useful um, for small business owners and, and managers um, and it's all freely available. You don't have to sort of pay to access the resources. They're all based on, on research evidence. Um, the aim is to provide that simple practical information. So to have the courage to have a conversation around that and an awkward conversation is potentially better than no conversation at all. Um, and, I, and I think also, too, is recognising that, yeah, it is a bit tricky to talk about this stuff, but there are plenty of resources there um, to help you and you will only get better and more comfortable at this kind of thing by actually doing it. Exactly. I think if you're approaching these conversations with a, a genuine concern for the mental health and well-being of, of the staff member, um, that's going to put you on, on really solid ground. And as you said, you might fumble through the conversation in the first or second instance, um, but it's really important to let that person know that um, you're concerned about them and you want to support them in any way that's going to be helpful. 
Fantastic. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for doing the work that you do here um, at Beyond Blue and in the, in the research area to, so we can try and identify some of these things and, and help normalise some of those conversations. But before we go, we have our 10 by 10 segment that I have invited you to be part of. So you have 10 questions and 10 seconds to answer each of these questions. Are you ready? I think I am. Let's dive in. Let's just see where it takes us. So the first question is, what I like about myself is? I think I'm a really good listener. I really take the time to let people uh, share their thoughts and I really try not to interrupt people. I beat procrastination by? Well, I think it's the old adage of how do you eat an elephant Elephant, and it's through one piece at a time. So I try and break down sort of challenging tasks into sort of simple, manageable task a song on my life soundtrack is the long and winding road so appropriate um the world needs more compassion a phrase i live by is just have a go a book that changed me is well, I did read a lot of self-help books a long time ago, and one of the ones that I quite enjoyed was Feel the Fear But Do It Anyway. On that topic, fear and I... Don't really get along, but again, you just have a go and um, do your best. Something that always makes me feel good is... Spending time with my wife, and I'm sure my wife will appreciate that gold star to you for that um, and finally my legacy will be my family I think um, my family has always been important to me and they will definitely be my legacy well thanks so much for your time today Nick it's been terrific to talk with you thanks Kylie this podcast was made as part of a series for the Small Business Festival, which is run by the Victorian Government in Australia, to help small, medium enterprises and startups. And you can look up hundreds of free and affordable events all across Melbourne and regional Victoria throughout the month of August and early September. This includes workshops, webinars, mentoring and podcasts just like this one. Visit their website, festival.business.vic.gov.au and learn, grow, and connect. That's all for this episode of In The Company. I hope you've enjoyed listening and tucked away a few gems to bring to your working life. To make sure you don't miss an episode, please subscribe to our channel. And if you've loved what you've heard today, please share it with your kinfolk who might also be in the need of some good company. And finally, if you feel so inclined, we'd be super grateful for a review on iTunes.